This is Alex. I'm from Boston. Hello, this is Jackie, and I'm from Houston. Hey, this is Rahul from Stanford. And we are the Premier Chefs. Hey guys, the Premier Chels is sponsored by Kickoff Coffee. They are a top quality artisanal roasted coffee. In other words, they're Champions League winner and Premier League winner every single time. They deliver fresh bags directly to your home so you don't have to go to a coffee shop and pick up something. And the best part about them is every bag gives back to soccer charities. 10% of the proceeds go to organizations that use soccer to promote youth social development in the underserved areas. Use our code TPCOFFEE15 to get 15% off your order. You can order at kickoffcoffeeco.com or check out the links on our social media. Thanks. Hello, 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 and welcome back to the Premier Chelsea, your source for all things Premier League, but starting with Chelsea first. Coming to you in your speakers and headsets, good morning, good afternoon, good evening. I'm one of your hosts, Jackie. I'm here with my good friend and co-host, Raul. But today, we're joined by a bunch of folks you guys should know very, very well. It's a gentleman from the Louisiana chapter, Dylan, Roy, and Ben. Guys, maybe Dylan, you start first, introduce yourself, and we'll take it around the room. Hey, I'm uh, Dylan Polk. Uh one of the members of Carefree Louisiana based out of New Orleans. Awesome. Welcome, Roy. I'm Roy Welsh. Uh, I'm one of the members of Carefree Louisiana, specifically the Crescent City Blues. Happy to be here, boys. Thanks for having me. Of course. Anytime. Welcome. Welcome, Ben. Ben Landry. I uh, I head up the Baton Rouge subchapter of our Carefree Louisiana, also co-chapter with Dylan for Carefree Louisiana. Just growing this thing one uh, email at a time. More than one email at a time, but welcome as well, Ben. It's good to have you guys back. We've talked to you guys before, and we're here to talk about the third installment of Blues Day, right? So who wants to take this one and run with it? Dylan, I think you're starting? Yeah, man, that's fine. Uh, So just to give anybody a heads up who doesn't know what Blues Day is, Blues Day is the culmination of uh, an idea on a front porch that I had with Roy and teaming up with uh, Ben in the podcast as well. And it started off as an idea of just having some type of game in New Orleans where we can get people from all over to come see it. Then Roy had the idea, well, what better reason to bring people to New Orleans than Mardi Gras? Because everybody wants to experience Mardi Gras as well. So through a couple of six packs of beer and a few wins and Chelsea losses later, we had talked and talked and talked. And we organized this event where we invite as many chapters from around the country to come down to New Orleans to experience some type of Mardi Gras parade. And it changes each year as we've progressed to a, one in the beginning to a little bit bigger now. And we'll get into that later. Um, but for anybody who just wants the basic idea of what Blues Day is, it's a gathering as, of Chelsea fans from around the country to be with and experience a united culture, all while getting to have the best party in the world, which is Mardi Gras. That's a beautiful summary that I think it's one that gets us introduced to what Blues Day is all about. And there's events that happen. We get to watch the game together as a whole team. Uh, Ben, I don't know if you want to take and add a little bit to that as well. Yeah, yeah. So um, it definitely dives into the spirit of what being in supporters groups is all about for me at least, which is just enjoying each other. And I use this term every year when we do our podcast round is just like spreading love to each other, man. This, this community can get so toxic between groups sometimes. And sometimes it's good to just be together and remind ourselves of what's important. We come together for this United front of being Chelsea supporters. And then just inadvertently, we all become friends. Like, you know, we talk to each other outside of it about other things and, Blues Day is a great opportunity to create and forge new relationships, both between chapters and and just new friends. Um, So it's, you know, the game is two hours of it. We have three days of partying events and just enjoyment together. So the game is just the most unimportant thing of the entire event. It's just about being together. Very well said. And I think a couple of years ago, maybe last year when you guys did this, you did some special drinks or some partnerships with some people. Roy, I want to bring you in to share your thoughts. Anything we should expect that's fun and new this year? Well, one of the things that's going to be new, and Ben kind of touched on it, is it's going to be a three-day event. Um, When the schedule changed about two or three weeks back, the match got moved from Saturday morning to Sunday morning. 
that gave us an an excuse to extend the weekend. (laughs) Um, So the first thing I will tell your guests is make sure that they bring uh, plenty of Pedialyte uh, (laughs) and because it's a long weekend. Um, It's a marathon and a sprint. I've said that before, but it's both. In terms of what's new this year, there's, there's really one big thing that jumps out at me, and that's that the weekend, due to the Premier League schedule and the Mardi Gras schedule, the way they lined up, we're doing it on a later Mardi Gras weekend this year than normal. In the past, we've done it on Cru de Vue, which is a walking parade. It's a fantastic time, but it's much more of a small-scale production. Whereas this year, and I don't have the count, but I think between Friday and Saturday and Sunday, there's something like 15 to 20 parades that are going to go down in New Orleans. So on Saturday and Sunday, the plan is for us to not only gather at our pub right off of St. Charles Avenue, which is conveniently located right on top of the parade routes, which is we could not have. We could not have gotten luckier in that regard. After that, we're also planning on gathering out on the neutral ground on St. Charles Avenue, which is what people that are not from New Orleans call the median. We don't use that term. Down here, medians are our neutral grounds. We're going to gather on the neutral ground and have drinks and have food and, you know, have a good time and be there all day, late into the night, maybe early into the morning almost certainly early into the morning. <laughs> um, so just, I mean, it's it's similar in a lot of respects to our previous years, but the parade schedule changing was amazing because it's going to give out-of-town guests a chance to really see Mardi Gras full throttle, dialed all the way up to 11. That sounds like a fun time. And I think for us, it's going to be interesting. Rahul, I'm going to bring you in. Thank you for patiently waiting there. I think you want to share some news about Blues Days from our side as well. I do. And and welcome, guys. All, all, all the updates and everything that you've shared has got me excited. I've actually never been uh, to New Orleans during Mardi Gras. So I'm, I can officially say I'm looking forward to it because uh, it's not public knowledge yet. But Jackie and I will be there uh, for the third time around, third time's the charm. Uh, we will be there and we will be joining you guys uh, for the three days and enjoying all the festivities, enjoying the match and hopefully sealing it off with the win and maybe even a podcast while we're down there with you guys. Absolutely. That'll be a lot of fun. And, and just like you guys said, I mean, Chelsea are going through a tough time. And so the game itself for two hours is not the most important thing. I like how you summarized it earlier, Ben. It gets all of us in the same room, spend time together, which is brilliant and get to know each other and whether we're enjoying or we're wallowing in sorrow together, I think it's all of us Blues Brothers together, which is very, very important. And as Roy summarized it, I love that the event's going on all day, all night, because it's something for anybody to do. If you want to be in there a little earlier, you want to be there a little later, you can do your thing and just participate, which is great. So thank you guys for sharing it. Rahul, I'm going to pass it over to you to maybe transition into not-so-fun topics, and that's maybe the Middlesbrough Review. We were having a good time, Jackie, talking about all the good stuff (laughs) coming up. But no, let, let's look back. Usually what we do when, when the boys are on is we do a review or a preview. In this case, I guess we can do both. But let's start with Middlesbrough, first leg of the Carabao Cup. Uh, these days, that is a pretty big trophy, especially from where we've come in the last 18 months. Uh, but Middlesbrough away, we're back coming off of a win against Preston and two wins in the Premier League. So feeling good, feeling confident. Uh, ben... What were your thoughts leading into this game before we kind of talk about how it went? So leading in, I think even if none of us voiced it, we all had mixed expectations. There's a history between the clubs in uh, in domestic cup matches. I don't know how much that comes into play, especially with our extremely disconnected squad, for most of which probably have no clue of that history, nor do they care. Um but I definitely had a mixed expectation because this has been the Chelsea way for the last two years is playing down to opponents a lot of times. And you're at Riverside and you know Riverside is going to be banging. And as soon as the sound turns on, Riverside is absolutely banging. The noise was, you know, you could hear it. I, absolutely. And so the expectation was mixed for me, for sure. 
Yeah, you, I think you said it right. It was away from home. We knew it's a semifinal. We knew Middlesbrough would be up for it. It's their opportunity to put on a show for their home fans, but also take something into the second leg because you do expect them to to struggle a little bit coming coming to the bridge. But uh, Dylan, I'll bring you in now. Uh, were you also kind of feeling the same way or were you a little more confident uh, like Jackie was? And I say that because I'll, I'll have a story to share, but what were your thoughts going into this first leg? Um like any Chelsea fan looking at our tip where we're sitting at a table and seeing the results we've been getting, we should have been positive or we're we coming off three wins right now. Right. Uh, it's, it's, it's solid results have been building up, but also I don't, I don't know about you guys, but there hasn't been a month where I felt fully confident watching this team where I could, I mean, in years before I'll admit, like I, I would, I would brag on Chelsea. I would, I would talk a little, talk a little trash back in my team. I don't have the ability to do that right now. And I'm not saying that I want to, but I don't even have the, that's not even an idea that we can do. So my expectations have been really, really low. Um, And I don't know whether that stems from a lack of leadership on the team, whether that's the tactics that, that the gaffer is putting out there or, or, or the issue. Obviously anybody can throw injuries into the conversation, but Burrow had 14 injuries as well. So that argument is invalid. So for me, there's, it's a mixed bag. It's, it's, <laughs> it's, it's a mixed bag. I so much that's going on. So my expectations, no, I would have been happy going into this game. The second leg zero zero. And that wouldn't have been an issue for me. Now we've got to score two goals to, we got to score two goals to win and keep a clean sheet. So, Hey, if it, if it was easy, wouldn't be, wouldn't be Chelsea. Uh, but no, you're right. I think coming into this game, we all felt that it should be one where we should come away with a positive result. Uh, but that, that wasn't the case. Roy, you, you, you've been a Chelsea fan for a very long time. You've been on this podcast now for the third time. Um, I know how you feel about Chelsea. I know how passionately you care about the club. Coming into this game and and being this close to a final, I mean, we've all suffered as fans over the last 18 months, being this close to a final, did you at least expect us to put on a better performance? Forget the result for a second. Yeah, I I was nervous because of how woeful we've been, really in defense and in attack, but, but when... For so long, we've been able to possess the ball and haven't been able to do anything other than possess the ball. Of course, I was worried that we could go up there. It could be a nil-nil kind of showing, and they could get a goal late, and they could, they could, they could take a, take the result. But it goes back to what you're talking about with it being a a, a cup semifinal. You expect for a team to take a cup semifinal seriously. I have been somebody, I mean, Chelsea has got a long history with the League Cup. It is not the type of tournament that the FA Cup is, let alone is it the type of, you know, does it have the kind of prestige that winning the league has? But when you're in 10th place, you don't get to thumb your nose up at a cup semifinal. You don't get to do it. And... You don't you don't get to go up there and lay down the way we laid down. I can deal with losing. I don't like it. I but but you know it's gonna happen, and you know that sometimes you can have something go against you. You got to run a play and you give up a bad goal, or somebody falls asleep, or you make a mistake, and it sucks, but you know that the sport can be a cruel mistress, as they say. But Right now, the only Tiago Silva looked like about the only person up there yesterday that could have been bothered. They should have let the rest of those jabronis walk home. Just find your own way home. You guys make enough money. Raheem Sterling's on three hundred thousand pounds a week. He's on three hundred thousand pounds a week, and that's what we we were given yesterday. It's just. It's just trash. So, <laughs> no, I I hear the pain. I hear the pain, Roy, and it's it's been painful because we're used to coming into these games, and and I don't mean any disrespect to Middlesbrough, but we should be putting in at least a goal, if not two or three. 
um, to concede a goal and then just kind of wait for the game to end. I personally didn't watch the game. I was at work, uh, but I was keeping up through through Twitter and just through general updates. And not at any point did I feel like anyone was excited. Anyone was feeling that this was going to get turned around or we were going to come back into it. Um, so, yeah, it was disappointing. Jackie, I'll let you kind of run us through maybe the lineup and we can talk more specifically in terms of um, the chances and, and some of the in-game play. But overall, it's just it, it was a disappointing game. Yeah, and just to share a quick story about that, Rahul, I know you poked fun at it, but I get bantered by Rahul these days, guys, because I, I have the feeling that just like you, Dylan, we won three in a row. And so I'm coming up to a semifinal, to Roy's point, you, you want everybody to show up and do the business. So I'm thinking 2-0, 3-0, how bad can it be? And no disrespect to Borough, right? Guys, they're a good team. They've done what they need to. But you expect you expect the Chelsea team with $1 billion invested against a team with $63 million in the entire squad to, to at least walk away with a draw. But the performance is what's shocking. We just don't have any appetite to perform on the day, which is, is completely sad. But let me run through the starting 11 really quickly. So we have Petrovic in goal. Levi Kola, left back. I want to get you guys' thought on, thoughts on that in a minute here. Sylvain de Sassi pairing together. Gusto at right back. He's been helpful at least this season a little bit. Caicedo and Fernandez anchoring that midfield. Uh, front three-ish behind the striker of Sterling, uh, Gallagher, Madueke. And then Cole Palmer doing the false nine thing. So, Dylan, I'll come to you first. I want to get your thoughts really quickly on the starting lineup overall. I know we have some injuries and stuff. And then Colwell, I want to get your thoughts on Colwell as a left back. Uh, as far as the lineup goes... I feel like he's probably going on what his options were, but I do know we had a striker on the bench, mm. a natural striker on the bench. Um, if we're not going to try him out and let him do his job, then loan him out and buy somebody. Otherwise, I don't I don't understand what we're doing with Broha. Like, I, I'd, I'd love some type of understanding on that. It, it drives me wild. Uh, the midfield, I see why we bought Enzo, and I'm stealing a line from Roy that, I, that from a conversation we had earlier. I'm not seeing what we bought. Caicedo for yet. I'm not understanding. Um, I don't. I don't. I don't understand the tactics of how those two boys are deployed in the middle. Doesn't make any sense to me. As far as defense goes, it's shambles. It's absolute garbage. Um, any conversation that I've had with Ben and Roy lately, um, my number one argument is you can't lose a game if the other team doesn't score against you. I didn't say you couldn't drop points, but you can't lose a game. And our defense is absolutely garbage. We bought Levi who was playing for Brighton as a center back. Why are we keep putting him in a position where he's uncomfortable when we've got – how many backups do we have? We just loaned out Ian Motson. Yep. Like, what are we doing? Like, what? None, none of this makes sense. So, did the lineup make sense? Absolutely not. But, once again, if you if you see our options, there's there's three kids on that, li- on that lineup that are just get, getting their shot. Is that, is that of options or because those kids are great? I guess time will tell. It's a very good question to ask, and I think your right time will tell. Uh, ben, I'll come to you. Maybe we'll talk a little bit more positively. I know you guys said Silva was probably one of the guys that stood out, but what about Conor Gallagher? Maybe not just in this game, but this season. A lot have been made about him. How do you feel about his performance overall and what he's brought to the club? You know, it reminds me a little bit of Mace's early start for us, and his effort is unbelievable his hunger for tackles his hunger for aggression his hunger to go in for the ball um i think he has this like inability to let the ball go early it's like and he can't see it from our point of view this isn't fifa right like he's seeing like a more jumbled version from where he sits but you know we see the pass that he could have picked out a second and a half ago and he keeps it and it gets himself into trouble where he's got three, two guys descend on him and he just can't keep the ball in that situation. And you can't expect anyone to keep the ball in that situation. And I think that's, you know, a big problem with Mudrick, Raheem Sterling, you know, it's not seeing the opportunities and really sloppy aggression. I love Connor. Like I am a Connor fan and, I just think that like the skill and the effort, they didn't come together against Middlesbrough. I think Connor's been great. Really, like I give players a lead rope on bad performances, as everyone should. They're human. They 
do think they they have bad games, just like we have bad days at work, bad weeks at work. I have no problem with that. I didn't have a problem with Connor Gallagher. That was not my problem this match. I think the glaring problem was Raheem Sterling. On on a positive note, I'm gonna go. Enzo was played. I wouldn't say out of position, but that free roll for him is weird. And yeah. pushing him up front is weird. If we want him to play balls in and be able to identify like deep balls and then turning play, putting him up at the number 10, letting him flow there. I don't know if that works. Like it just seemed like the Broha thing is that I think one of the most glaring lineup issues, but man, and I'm saying all this about performances and the real, the real observation was that just nobody, it seemed like nobody cared. It was like, oh, Middlesbrough, we're going to go in, in here and wipe the floor with him. And maybe Potch's lineup kind of said that a little bit. Like, I can put Palmer up top instead of that kind of 10-slash-right midfield role where he is very dominant, creates chances, and takes chances. He did have two chances that he should have tucked in. I think on Many other days he would have tucked those two chances in. I really think – I think it was an off day in a lot of cases. But let it be an off day and give us 100% of yourselves. It can't be an off day and then you just don't care. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I just – I'm not going to put this on one player specific except for, for Raz because that was just god-awful. But I will put this on, like, just as a whole, it just didn't seem there. The effort didn't seem there. I mean, very strong words. I think effort is the right thing for everybody across the pitch. And I, and I also picked up it's maybe that lack of final ball or lack of final finish, whether it's Palmer or it's Gallagher. It's it's a little too long on that ball without making the right decision and being clinical enough, which unfortunately is not just Middlesbrough. It's been most of the season we've seen that. But, but then also up- if the runs, sorry for interrupting, if the runs go. aren't there – to send the ball into, and if midfielders and strikers aren't coming in for hold-up play, you know, I saw this thread on Twitter of, like, pictures of, like, six examples where Enzo or Caicedo had the ball, and there was 20 yards in front of them where no one was there. So you have Palmer, Madweki, and Sterling 20 yards up the pitch with four midfielders in between where there's – so I'm saying also that they couldn't feed balls, but there were no balls to feed. A, there was no effort. Yeah, and, and maybe that's something that tactically we can come back to and, and talk about Pochettino and what he can do to bring some of these players closer together. But you guys have opened up a discussion about Raheem Sterling a couple of times. You've mentioned his name a few times on this podcast. Roy, and as PG as you can say, what are your thoughts of Raheem Sterling so far this season and specifically in this match? Because he's got the talent. We've seen the talent at Manchester City. However... He's not shown it in a Chelsea shirt consistently enough. Get get, get the popcorn out, guys. <laughs> um, I Raheem Sterling is undeniably talented. He can do more with his feet than any skill I've ever acquired in my 39 years on this planet. <laughs> Raheem Sterling, we are obligated to pay him 300,000 pounds a week. For the rest of his Chelsea tenure, he should be making 300,000 pounds a week as a member of the under 21s. <laughs> like, he should never see, to me, so let me let me rewind and try to answer your question. I probably saw about 75%, 80% of the match yesterday. I was working. I did not see the whole thing. I saw enough to see his cynical, mopey body language and looking for a foul, particularly when they're never there. Uh, So I was disappointed with his performance, but not really any more than I ever am in general every once in a while he'll have a blinder where he feels disrespected because he used to play for manchester city and he gives you a blinder of a performance and then he gives you five or six more stinkers right afterwards i i I think he's an absolute disgrace of a footballer after he gave up the three after he passed on the three-on-one opportunity 
against Wolves. And let's not forget, yeah, maybe they changed tactics, but we only ended up losing that game 2-1 because we get that goal right at the end. Maybe we end up getting a point out of that at the Molyneux instead of, instead of not getting anything. After he gave up that three-on-one at Wolves a few weeks ago, I was done with him for good right there. It's This is a guy who's bragged, jokingly bragged about pit, passing up three-on-ones on camera before. This guy is telling you who he is, and then he's showing you who he is while he takes your money and laughs all the way to the bank. And I respect you guys, and I love you guys, but if you want me to respect the PG language ban, you gotta pass the mic to somebody else because of this guy. <laughs> this guy is an app. There's that old Steve Steve Prefontaine quote: "To give anything less than your best is to sacrifice the gift." That dude sacrifices the gift every single day of his life. Roy, very, very passionate there. And I was going to ask you what can Raheem do to turn it around, but you've already <laughs> answered that question and saying he cannot. No so. Retire. Retire. Hey, <laughs> give, him, give him the Maluda treatment to someone who deserves the Maluda treatment. <laughs> you remember you remember when Robert, Robert Hoot quit and didn't show up for the trophy ceremony? It was like the second – it was either the first year we won the league with Jose or the second year we won the league with Jose. And Robert Hoot had a falling out and didn't even show up to receive his winner's medal. That's – well, we, he never <laughs> had to worry about skipping uh, – winning anything. Because we look a long way from that. But I just want him to never be seen again. I don't, I don't wish any ill will on his family. I hope he lives a long, happy life. I don't want him to squander his money. I don't want to hear anything bad happening to him. I just want him to go live – in solitude somewhere in a remote corner of the world and never <laughs> see his face again. I mean, that's fair. At least you're talking about it in football terms. With This is why I appreciate your opinion. It's it's what's what we need to talk about and bring up. Rahul, you're in good company today because you have not been a Raheem Sterling fan. So we're going to transition off the bar review, but I want to bring you in for the conversation. Has he been the poorest Chelsea player this season, in your opinion? Because if you look across the board, we struggled, right? That's the honest truth. It's not anybody that's really stood out, except a few that we've already talked about. But you've been vocal about Raheem Sterling. You've said he's not performed. Roy's in there today. Rahul, what are your thoughts on this one? I mean, look, I, I couldn't have said it any better than than Roy. And maybe we we put on a a midnight version of this episode, which is non PG, and and Roy can can let loose. Um, but no, he he's a senior member of the squad. We've mentioned how much he makes. So I'm not going to beat on that. But he's a senior member of the squad. Experienced player. Players look up to him, or I think they would. Uh, maybe they shouldn't. And he doesn't lead by example. You look at Thiago Silva at 40, and I'm like, there's a leader. They're going to the fans, apologizing, letting them know that we care. We'll be better. And here's Raheem Sterling just walking off the pitch, doing what he needs to do and or not doing what he needs to do, and just coming back the next game and expecting to play. And it's it's just it's a signing I wish we hadn't made. It's a signing I wish we maybe had just kept a Callum Hudson Adore or one of the other wingers we've let go in the last year or so. Because at least they're one of our own. There's someone that we can get behind and say, oh, he'll be better. He cares. Raheem Sterling doesn't care. And he may put on a, a, a show against Fulham this weekend and, and maybe redeem himself a little bit. But like Roy rightly said, it's going to be one and then five down and, and then one and then five down. And, and that's not good enough from a player that's supposed to be one of your, your better players. Yeah, I mean, that's a fair, fair sentiment. And I can feel that there's some heat building up in this room with, with some of these players. I think ultimately we know we lost that game. I want to transition, guys, off the game and talk more high level about Pochettino. So, Dylan, I'll come back to you. Pochettino was one that split the Chelsea fan base very heavily at the beginning of the season. Uh, he's come in, especially in preseason, I think a few people were on board. Since then, it's been topsy-turvy, a couple of good results, Manchester City, Tottenham, namely, thinking about those. And then some blatant results where we should be winning. Even last week, you talk about Luton and we're 3-0 up, concede two. Of course, not all the blame goes to him, but I do want to talk about him for a minute and, and get your feedback on where do you think he's going with this team? Do you see progress? Do you see tactics that make you believe he's the man for the long-term vision that the owners have? I know the manager, if he does nothing else, is supposed to 
create, build, and maintain a culture. And that culture can be a professional culture. That culture can be a no holds barred attacking culture. But I know he's he's known for creating a culture. He did a lot of good things at Tottenham. Even though we hate Tottenham to death, he got Tottenham to a Champions League final. So that's that, that could have been one result away on a different day, and he could be a Champions League winner. So I'm not going to hold anything against him about any managerial career. But what I do know is that I don't feel any type of cohesion in what he's created. I don't have any idea what the lineup is going to be unless it's an injury-ridden part of the season. And there we are. I mean, we're, we're, we're in a situation right now where you know, the lineup's going to be what it is. We've got we've got nothing much to choose from. Um, <clears throat> I'm not going to say Pochettino out, but if somebody said that to me, I wouldn't have been like, "Oh my God, you're crazy!" Like uh, like I would have been back in August. Um, <clears throat> I, I, I want to believe this guy can do good things for our team, but. As far as progression goes, I see it with certain players. I just don't see it as a whole. Um, I'll see one or two players starting to shine, but I don't see a cohesive defensive line. I don't see Enzo getting to play the role that we bought him for. Um, I'm not seeing the monetary value in Caicedo. Um, Sterling, enough has been said um, because everything that was said about him was correct. Um Nico Jackson, I think his stats look better than what they really are on paper. Um, I think he was a little bit of a goal merchant against a team that was two man down. And if you can't score a hat trick against them, then you probably shouldn't be a striker anyway. Um, and we're looking at players from from other countries just kind of fill that same role. So it obviously shows you that that, that the board doesn't back and Pochettino doesn't back Jackson or Broha. So I have no idea what the $700 million that we spent on was. If I really think about it, what did we spend it on? Enzo, Enzo is good. Gusto looks fantastic. I think he's a fantastic, his potential is fantastic behind Reese. I don't know what my star player or my, my most underrated player right now on the team that's not going to get any uh, applause, I'm giving it to Gusto. Because if it wasn't for him, I think our losses – we would probably be sitting in like 16th place right now. Um, Gusto is my guy. I'm more critical of defenders than I am anybody on the field. I'm also the first guy that I'm going to have a jersey on the back when I go to the pub. I don't know how many times that these guys can show you. I'm walking in the pub with an Ashley Cole or a John Terry on jer- jersey on before I'm walking in with anybody else because if those Bulldogs will shut somebody down, we won games. But we can't do that right now. So my problem with Pochettino is give me structure. Like, I don't mind if we lose a game. We look organized while we're doing it. If I see, like, progression in play, I see players in their right positions, I see the guys having fun. Or even if I see, like, somebody get fouled and somebody catch a yellow for getting in somebody else's face, give me a team moment of unity where you don't you don't touch my boy kind of moment. Yeah. And then may, maybe I'll feel something. I don't, I don't, I don't feel that. And also – Maybe just maybe get up out of your chair and get a little bit passionate for five seconds. Ben, I'll come to you. It was going to, always going to be a difficult situation no matter who came in. So the question I have for you, because we've heard some good things from Dylan here, is was this situation made more difficult by our board, right? We've gone in and sold everybody over a course of a summer and assembled a brand new squad, guys that are very, very young, guys from different countries, uh, different styles of play, and Pochettino's come in, and it, it's big shoes to fill and kind of figure this out. I'm not talking about the managers before, but maybe what Thomas Tuchel has set as a precedence for this club. Do you think that the board maybe should take some of the blame on on what's going on, or is this purely on on Pochettino? I don't, I don't, I don't believe it's the board, and I also don't believe it's purely Pochettino. I wasn't the biggest fan of Pochettino coming in because. Spurs is where my hatred lies. And I feel the way I feel about Timo's decision. I wasn't a supporter with Jimmy Greaves. I don't relate. I don't care. He went, you know, he came from Spurs. He was an enemy when he walked into me. And 
I've, I have learned to, to like him and he did give us this four week run not so long ago where things really looked up starting with that Arsenal performance. And, but where does the effort come from? We've said many times the last couple of weeks, it's the effort that we're not seeing. Where does that culture start? I think in the days that I come from as a, as a supporter, which is not crazy early, I started in 07. So the old guard for me, the, I don't think the club's mentality came from Jose. I don't think it came from any of the managers that succeeded him. I think that it came from, you had Brana, you had Petr Cech, John Terry, Frank Lampard, Didi, Ashley Cole. Those guys took no prisoners in training. And then in the game, they showed up on 110. So for me, you know, I'm going to first, the first place I'm going to go, and we all want to play the blame game. And Dylan just made me aware that I forgot uh, Michael Essien. My apologies. Um, the first place I'm going to go for the for blame is Kai Havertz and his pet donkey. Like the guys that make a quarter million dollars a week and don't do the only thing they're paid to do, which is just have effort. And then, you know, you go, you go to Middlesbrough and I, I was telling this to Roy and Dylan earlier, a big point that I feel about the Middlesbrough game that relates to this conversation is, you know, a lot of these kids are English, right? Cole Palmer, Raheem Sterling, Nani Madueke, they knew there were train delays. There were, there were bus delays all throughout the country bad weather. There were people getting to this game at halftime. There were guys on Twitter getting to the game in the 75th minute. So you knew that was the case. The only person that went over to the supporters was Tiago Silva. Man, the blame for me goes on the guys. The club is giving us what we asked for. What have we been asking for for the last 20 years? A project, a, a manager to stay. But the reality of this fan base is we're so fickle. We're not really ready for that. You, everybody talks like they're ready for it, but you're not really ready. The reality is, is I may not be Potch's number one fan, but I'm tired of sacking managers. Like I'm actually tired of it. Like if you just want to go on in your little Facebook supporters group and say you're tired of it, then quit complaining and saying Potch out. Live with it. This is what you wanted. You wanted a project and it's here. We're bringing in players that have the potential to be absolute world beaters over the next four to seven years. So let it be that so that we can achieve what Liverpool achieved three years ago, what City have achieved over the past decade. Let it happen. You wanted this. So now Bowley is giving it to you. And now you're turning, you're you're turning your nose up and saying that you weren't really ready. So I am all for Potch days. Cement your place. Give him a year or two more. And I'll be honest, like the thoughts have been in my head the last couple of weeks, like the dude might be out of his depth, but I really want a project. Like I really want that. And if that means sticking by a guy that develops a relationship with the supporters, develops a relationship with these young Academy kids, develops a relationship with three or four stars that build a new force, a new guard in our system, dude, I'm all for it, man. Ben, everything you said is is it's very easy for us to see that there are some facts behind that, right? That it is going to take time. It's going to take a little bit of patience. And you are right. As Chelsea fans, I look at Reddit, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, whatever it is. And it's one week we love Pochettino and the next week is like this guy needs to get out. And it's so hard for us as fans. You guys have talked about the history and how long you've been Chelsea fans. Raul, I've been right there with you it's so hard to not get sucked into that negativity, right? You want to sit there and say, yeah, it was a horrible result against Borough, but this week we saw a good performance. Here's a little glimpse of what can happen if these guys click. And to Dylan's point, I saw Modric maybe stand up and push a player a few weeks ago and say, don't step on my boy. I want to get that card for him, right? So glimpses of what we can see. And Rahul and I have said this many times on this podcast is 
when we come on, you'll feel our energy because we've just won. And when we lose, we're fully <laughs> deflated. So I appreciate you guys because I think you're bringing us back to, to ground and saying we need to stick through this situation. And it's not just the Poch fault. Let's not point fingers at him or just the players or the owners. It's just something that takes time to gel. And listen, to be a little bit honest, some of these guys may not go on the journey with us over the next two or three years. We've talked about Sterling, but others may not be the ones that go on this journey. And there may be others that come in and might be the right fit. So, Roy, I want to bring you in really quickly for your thoughts as well. I want to hear how you're feeling about Pochettino or anything else around management at this club. So I'm a little bit between where Ben is and where a lot of the, the critics are. And Ben and I have talked about this in depth. I want a project. I'm fine with being patient. I didn't like when we sacked Avram Grant. I didn't like when we sat. I love Claudio Ranieri. Now, I didn't know what was going to happen right after Claudio Ranieri. But when Claudio Ranieri is flipping out on the sideline at Highbury after Wayne Bridge scores the goal, and it looks like he's going to cry on the sideline, I've never loved a manager more than I loved him at that time. So I never loved the revolving door of managers. I loved the winning, but I always kind of envied a place where they can connect. The fans can connect with a manager for an entire generation to where you can tell your kids about him one day. Uh, to me, this doesn't feel like a project. I'm a school teacher. This feels like I had a project and a kid came in and wrote his name on the paper and copied a bunch of random facts off Wikipedia, didn't give me a bibliography. I'm like, here's my project. And I'm, and I'm like, this isn't what I asked for. And they're like, no, no, you said you've been yelling at me for a project. I did my project. You don't get to complain. I'm giving you a project. And what I see is Enzo, great signing. Caicedo, maybe will end up being a great signing. I see us buying a bunch of Brazilian teenagers that will probably never see the light of day because they either won't be good enough or they will be good enough, but we will have already sold them to turn around and make a profit to buy, to pay for the next $115 million transfer fee on somebody like Caicedo, which brings you back to Poch. I don't want to get rid of Poch, but it's for slightly different reasons than Ben. I've seen him build Tottenham into a side that goes all the way to a European Cup final. And if you can take if you can take Spurs to a European Cup final, you can win a lot of places. I really believe that. It's a great point. So 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 give the devil his due. I'm I'm not saying that this dude is chop liver. I'm not saying that we should show the guy the door. But to me, you pay a manager big money for two things to put guys in the right place positionally, strategically, tactically. And you hire a manager to ensure that those dudes have their heads right. You pay that manager for days like yesterday when you've got to go all the way up towards the Scottish border and you're in the rain and you may not be feeling up for it because you're Enzo and you just won a World Cup. And yeah, the League Cup's great, but we're in 10th. I thought we were going to be doing more than this. And he's not quite feeling it. And you've got to reach down and grab him by the short and curlies and say, come on, son, you got to do your job. Like, And so I absolutely believe Potch can come good. But results like him yesterday – you should be dragging dudes out of the changing room and walking them down to the fans. Let the fa let the fans see them get embarrassed. I don't care. But like Poch, Poch is not helpless. And again, I, I want to share the optimism. And I think there's reasons to be optimistic. The, the record that I just pointed to at Spurs, that's, yeah, you know, a lot of Chelsea fans will say, yeah, but he didn't win anything. And I get that. Yeah, he didn't win anything. But if you take Spurs to a European Cup final, that's that's more than I could have ever imagined Spurs doing before that. So the guy's got something. So, again, I want to believe that's there. But to me, there's this construct of do you want a project or do you not want a project? I want a project. 
I'm not sure if I want this project. And the what scares me the most is I don't think if we sack him, I think that Clear Lake, it's like they are pulling names out of a hat or they're getting on ESPN and they're saying who's the new hot name and we might get lucky and we might get somebody great or we might get somebody who's even worse than Graham Potter was so I'm going in circles boys I don't know I I think no listen I, let's I just hope guys... Thomas Tuchel has a fallen out <laughs> <laughs> listen I, I thank you guys for first of all your honesty because I think that's the reason we do this podcast is to get different people's perspectives and really get what you're feeling and I think all of you guys while you have some similarities on on what you're feeling towards not just Poch but Chelsea you do have some differences and I think it's good to have those as well but let's move on from Poch let's talk a little bit about transfer window I don't know if we should be getting excited because we've spent a lot of money but transfers keep coming and we keep getting linked with different players Rahul you've got some names or maybe a name a big name lined up for us I do and and before I get into that I just while the boys were talking I just educated myself on a, on a fact that uh, we've spoken about the European final with Pochettino. Maybe you guys know it, maybe you don't. But he joined Tottenham in May 2014 and made it to the League Cup final that season in 2015 and played Chelsea. So he is in a League Cup semifinal with Chelsea this time around. Maybe he goes on and, and makes that right uh, for our sake and his sake. But just a fun fact that I learned um, while the boys were talking and looking up some of his his history with Tottenham. Now, is Spurs still in? Are Spurs no. still in? No. Okay, thank no. God. <laughs> um, it would be the worst arc is if we go to play them in the final and then we lose. Come on, it's no. Spurs. They they don't really make finals apart yeah, from no. under Pochettino. We're, <laughs> we're in the clear. We're either gonna lose to Bar we're either gonna lose to Burrow or we're probably gonna play Liverpool in the final if we come back and win the second tie. Because Liverpool's got Fulham in the other semi. Well, Mason Mount isn't in there to give us a dud at the penalty spot, so <laughs> we, can, uh, we can move on oh, and man. hopefully just win that. Well, well, we'll cross that bridge when we get there, but just a, a fun fact that I, I learned. That's um, a good one. Coming back to transfers, guys, there's a big name that keeps coming up. We've spoken about strikers. We've said we need a goal scorer. Clearly, the the club and, and maybe even Pochettino don't trust um, – Jackson and Broya, Victor Oshiman from Nigeria plays for Napoli, just signed a new contract. I believe his release clause is in the region of 112 million pounds. And there's rumors that he would be open to signing this window and coming in the summer. Is this the right move? Is this the next big fancy toy that we're going to throw money at and hope it works, Dylan? Honestly, I... I don't know that I'll look at Victor's stats and get overly excited. <clears throat> I'll look at what we have in Nico Jackson. <clears throat> He's sitting on seven goals and two assists in, I believe, 16 games. I look at the same stats for the, the cat we're looking at, and he's got seven goals and two assists in like 13 games. So obviously his return is just slightly a little bit better, but nothing to jump over and get excited about. So you're going to insert that into a, a, a cold, rainy day at the Riverside and think we're going to get better results? I don't know. I, he doesn't – there's nothing about him that says he's the guy. I mean, there's only one guy that we know there's a possibility of anything, but he's going to go to Madrid. So I'm not even going to – I'm not even going to have the audacity <laughs> to – I'm not even going to have the audacity to even say it out of my mouth. But, um, no, I, do I think – we need to spend it on him. I don't know, but this is also the catch. No one has a really good option. The guys just mm -hmm. put around a random name in uh, our group text this week saying, I'd rather go after Jared Bowen, if I'm going to be honest. If I want to go after some hard-nosed striker that can be a poacher and get something, you may say, Jared Bowen, West Ham, what are you talking about? Jared Bowen's got 11 goals right now, boys. Like J Jared Bowen's sitting yeah. on, like I think, two assists as well. 13 goal contributions. If I had half of that right now, we wouldn't even be like dancing with the relegation conversation. And we'd probably be ahead of United in the league looking like maybe even having a European conversation. But no, is Victor, I, I don't, I don't believe Ozum is the, I don't believe Ozum is the answer. I don't know who he is because I don't think anybody does. No one has an idea what we need to do. 
Yeah, I mean, and it really points to the striker market in general, right? It's it's weak. I mean, if you look at Tottenham bringing in Timo Werner, and, and look, I I love Werner for what he what he did. He tried his hardest. He he put his heart out there for us. But if he's coming back after scoring ten Premier League goals in two years, back to the league, that just tells you where the market is at in that position. Um, and Napoli, give them credit. They made him sign a new contract and said, here's the release clause. Whoever wants him, come pay it, and, and he can go. Uh, ben, Jared Bowen, Victor Washerman, or do you have another name for me? I mean, Ivan Tony. come on. <laughs> we know it's the real proven option here where we have 26 goals. We've got two. Look, he's older, right? He's 27 or 28, I think. Yeah, 28, um, I think. So we've only got two more years left with him. I guess the Bowen Tony thing is difficult because they're both going to fetch high premiums because they're English. So I think within those three, I think we're looking at a hundred million plus for all three. Um, so I guess the hardest part is like, we've just been throwing PG rated. We've been throwing <laughs> poop at a wall for so long that like, I don't know. I don't know what to do. Like, that's where I'm at. Like, I don't know of those three who is, who's the right move. Like, is there a sure thing there? You know, I really, the crazy thing is you look at Gakpo, Nunez, a lot of the, the strikers that all of the Premier League teams have brought in, there's only been one sure thing in the last two years, and that's Erling Holland. So the striker market, even though these names have just been conflated with like immediate success, I will give it Oseman has been injured this season. So he has been he I think he played a couple games, got injured, and he's been back for a couple of games. So like we maybe haven't seen him back in full stride yet this season. But we do know from the past that a large majority of Italian league strikers coming into the premier league don't convert. So it then begs the point of like, is Vlahovic a better value because we might be able to scoop him up for 40 million and get the same kind of production because we have real players in the midfield that can feed him balls. Osiman is, he's a great striker. I mean, I don't know, man, I'm so confused. Like I, I had, there has been no point in the season watching any other games where I'm like, there's anybody but that French guy that would really set this thing <laughs> off. And look, that French guy with our number 10 French guy, I mean, I mean, <laughs> it doesn't get much better, but like, like Dylan said, not going to say his name out loud because it's not going to happen. But man, I don't know because I just don't know if there's an option where I can concretely say on this podcast, like this guy comes in bags 28. And, and there's no guarantee of that. We've brought in the, the highest paid players. We brought in the big fancy names. We brought in the unknown players and, and it hasn't worked right. The last one for us, I want to say is, is Diego Costa. And that's coming up to almost 10 years since we signed him. Um, so it's it's not worked, and there's no guarantee. I think, like Dylan said, Nicholas Jackson this season with his goals, I'm not saying he's the answer, but a second season, is that where he's settled and not not trying to uh, talk to people online and, and do some shady things? I don't know. Uh, but it seems like there is this 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 feeling or this kind of constant Chelsea need a striker, Chelsea need a striker, Chelsea need a striker. And we know Boley and, and, and the owners tend to be in spaces on Twitter and, and listening to fans. I, I can see them saying, you know what, here's another 130 million. Let's go buy this striker in Italy that, that is 25 years old. And, and to Dylan's point, maybe this season he doesn't have the best stats, but I'm looking at his stats in general, 96 games for Napoli, 57 goals. So it's not bad. And and maybe it's the injury. Napoli have gone down this this season. They've had a change in manager. Maybe it's it's some of those things. Roy, do you have a name for me, or are you kind of in the camp of we just got to stick with what we got? I I would be fine with Tony. His age doesn't concern me. We bought 
Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank from Leeds when he was 28 years old. And he won the golden boot in his first year, and they finished one goal behind Thierry Henry in his second year. And I'm not saying that Ivan Tony's going to come in and be Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank, because anybody that knows me knows that if you say bad things about Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank, I will fight you in the street. <laughs> um, but my, you know, I heard Ben mention his age, and and the age is absolutely a concern, particularly. You know, it might make us less likely to want to go after him because Clear Lake loves these eight-year-long stretched-out contracts, so you probably don't want a guy on the hook until he's, you know, 35, 36. But Osman's only – I mean, Osman's already 25, so it's not like he's a – he's not like he's a child either. So to me, the difference between 25 and 27 is not significant enough for age to be the factor. Um, But, you know, I'm – I don't – the boys will tell you I I uh am anti-superstitious. Like I I don't believe in any of that kind of stuff. I don't I don't believe in jinxes, I don't believe in curses. None of that stuff. I don't buy any of it. But man, if I if I did, if I did and I was looking to decide that I want to change my ways, the 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 Chelsea number nine curse would be one I would I would consider I would consider buying into because it seems like we can't get it right no matter what. But I, but I like Tony. I like Tony and I like Jared Bowen. I just don't think there's any way that West Ham would let Jared Bowen walk. I, I can't imagine. Other, I mean, I would love it. I, cause I think he is, he's what Dylan, Dylan said he is. I think he's got the right mentality. I think if we could get him, I, I would love him. But I think of options that feel a little bit more attainable. I think I would rather Tony than, than Osman. And and Tony does have the record. He's proven it. He's hungry again with, with what's happened in the last few months. Um, that's it. And that's that that's someone that maybe comes in and, and gets the boys uh going with, with how much he wants to succeed and, and and win. Uh but like we've said, there's no there's no guarantee of whoever comes in can get the job done. It really is has to come down to the system, the style, the players around them. And ultimately, the manager and the stability that that would bring. Um, so, we'll find out what happens in the in the next few weeks here in the January window, and then again in the summer. And if it is the French guy, we do have a good history of French players strikers coming to to Chelsea. Uh, I'm not going to throw out any names either. But let's move on to the Fulham prediction. We do have the West London derby this weekend. Fulham just lost against Liverpool uh, earlier today. Good display, at least for 60, 70 minutes. I did get to catch that a little bit. And um, I know we spoke about Raheem Sterling. I would take William over Raheem Sterling at this point. Um, but let's, jump into some <laughs> let's jump into some predictions, guys. What are your score predictions for this weekend? Do we bounce back with the win or are we dropping points again, Ben? Man, I, I definitely don't see a drop in points because I think – Everyone who may be insecure that their job's at stake will thoroughly implement the importance of Saturday morning's match. You cannot lose what has become a non-effective London derby where, yeah, we can't lose this match. Um, I'm just like we played Fulham earlier this season and I just, right, we have played Fulham already, right? Yep, we beat yeah, them so away. We, yeah, yep. and Willian had a chance at a free kick, like six yards outside of the box on the left. And I want to say I was at the pub with the boys for that, and I just looked around and I was like, this would be just be so poignant. Like, he would score this goal. And I really don't care what the result is. I just hope that doesn't happen. But I'm definitely going 3-0 to the boys. I think this is going to be a shake back. Mudrik gets a start. I think Broha gets a start. I think – it's going to be a powerful performance. I really hope, and I didn't get to go into this earlier, and I think um, I could have expounded on it for ages with Roy and Dylan. We've had this conversation many times. Uh, Gusto is going to have a goal, and uh, he's going to give a worldly performance. I thought I was listening to Jackie there for a second with that prediction. Um Mudrik and Broya did score in the return game uh, earlier this season. It was a 2-0 win for us. So uh, them two coming in would make sense and and hopefully would be 
uh, adding to their goal tally. Roy, um, three nil for you as well. Man, um, I'm gonna give a two nil Chelsea victory performance, but I'm gonna put an asterisk on that. A two nil performance, assuming that Sterling does not start. <laughs> and I mean that I'm not going to keep beating the dead horse, but I think that's important. It's not just what he does or does not bring us. I think if he's on the pitch to start the match, it tells me everything I need to know about what has happened behind closed doors the past few days. It's not about me trying to find him as a whipping boy because there's 11 guys on out on the field. I I've never met the dude. Maybe I've got him read all wrong, but I know that after the shift he turned in yesterday, some sort of message needs to be sent to the rest of the youngsters in that locker room about what is acceptable. You got a bunch of pups in there looking up to the older dogs and the two older dogs in that room are Tiago, one of whom who's a gem of a player. Yes, his his physical abilities are declining before our eyes, but his mentality, gosh, I mean, I adore that man. I absolutely adore him. And then the second most senior player is Sterling. If Sterling's not on the pitch, it tells me that Potch has had an assertive few days of practice. He's probably got the boys paying attention, and I think we win 2-0. I really mean that. But I'm going to be texting you guys looking to see if we can do an, a retraction if an hour before. <laughs> If an hour before and the lineup comes out, I'm going to be wanting y'all to put a retraction on social media. Roy changes his prediction. Roy changes his prediction. So let me see what the lineup lo looks like. But, yeah, I'll, I'll go Chelsea 2-0. 2-0 for Roy. Dylan, this game would be an opportunity for Chelsea if we win a first game of the weekend. And this weekend, game week pans over two weekends. So we would really have the opportunity to to at least move up a little bit and move out of 10th and even make it up to 8th and get by, get over Manchester United, which I feel like we should have done a long time ago. Um, do we bounce back here? Are you feeling the positivity? 3-0 for Ben, 2-0 for Roy. Are you at least 1-0? No, I'm not, actually. <laughs> wow. No, Mr. Positivity. Yeah, so like I'm normally the one who's overly optimistic beyond what I should be backed players than a longer than I should be. Most recently, Mason Mount or Keppa, they'll tell you that I stood on a hill for those guys. Um, I don't see where the goals are coming from right now, and I sure as heck don't know who's going to defend them. So, <laughs> like, my asterisk, if, if we're allowing asterisks, would be if a left back is played in a left back position, then maybe we'll win a game. Because I know everything that is going on that left side of the field through Sterling and through uh, Levi is hot garbage. Hot. The, hot. the only healthy left back we had left just went to freaking Germany. Yeah, We do so, have a, a namesake, Dylan Williams, a left back, a youngster, 20-year-old. Maybe he's the option. <laughs> let's go. I mean, at this point, I know what we have isn't working. So maybe try something and see if it doesn't. But we don't know until we try it. Um, but no, right now, un until I see either the possibility of um, Joel coming back and we keep hearing that there's a possibility that he might get some minutes, I don't think he'll start a game. He might get, he might get 30 minutes in there, tops at that. But until we have a left back on the field, we've been floating the idea that maybe we need to go to a three-man back line again and give give Gusto a chance to push up a little bit more, allow a look. I right now could not care less if we drew the rest of the season, every single one of those games, if we could not let up a goal. I do not feel confident with a lead. What was it against Luton? We were 2-0 we were up, never once. 3-0. Three 3-0. Nil. Three nil. <laughs> yeah. Okay, well, I didn't feel safe at 2-0. <laughs> immediately didn't feel safe at 3-0. And so I just – if our defense – I just want to shore up our defense, guys. Give me a clean sheet. That would be, be my biggest ask ever. Just give me a clean sheet. So nil-nil? No, it's going to be 1-1. One, one. All right. So no clean sheet. <laughs> okay. Jackie, Mr. – so Dylan's a positivity guy for you guys. Jackie's the positivity guy for us. And his prediction for Middlesbrough was 3-0. Actually, was it 3 
three nil. Three, you, you down talked me to two nil. I, we still I laughed at that. him and I said, "You know who we are." So he said, "All right." I would have backed two. that prediction an hour before the match. <laughs> <laughs> and then I shared a stat with him that we've beaten them. And I know I'm going off topic just for a second, but Middlesbrough we've beaten them one nil, two nil, three nil. And he goes, "Well, then that's transfer four. And we know how that ended. So, Jackie, what's your Fulham prediction? Listen, I just want to preface this by saying you've got to be positive. In, in a couple of years where we've just been beaten to death by results and by changes in managers and whatnot, you've got to try to be positive. Otherwise, I wouldn't be doing this podcast. So I'm I'm like Roy. I think we can get two. I think we'll wake up from what just happened. But I also am with Dylan where we've been shaky defensively. So maybe we start off 2-0 and concede a late goal. One, it's 2-1 and we start to freak out a little bit. But 2-1 is the result I'm going for. I'm I'm with Dylan. I'm going for a one-one. There you go. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not happy about it. I'm not happy. About I'm not either. I I hate making these predictions, but it's where we are. It's where we are. Are you? So let's talk about Saturday morning. You guys at the bar? Where can people find you? What time? It's an early kickoff, and then we'll wrap it up. So I won't yeah, be so, at the bar. <laughs> so <laughs> so there's there's two groups represented in this conversation so carefree louisiana for anyone who doesn't know it's kind of the overhead banner for three active and one prospective chapter in the state um both roy and i are members of the crescent city blues that are in new orleans that meet at britannia bar and ben is a, a leader of the zydeco blues out of baton rouge that meet at pelican to mars so if a game's on we all try to do our best to be there Seven, yeah, uh, yeah, that, that's the weekend. All right, so game's on, bar's on. Hopefully, a Chelsea win is on so we can kick off in a, in a good way. Um, for final Blues Day, what's the website? Where can people reach out to you for any information? So, go to carefreelouisiana.com. You can follow the menu on the right hand side, takes you through all the Blues Day specifics, gives you the itinerary. Uh, we have not yet added uh, any of the Premier Chelsea events, so stay tuned. We'll update the the uh, update our socials with that soon. We are, are planning, hopefully, live podcasts with the guys, some social media takeovers going on between Carefree Louisiana and the Premier Chelsea. It's going to be exciting. It is indeed. And um, if you have any questions, reach out to, to the guys, and you can find them on Carefree Louisiana on Instagram. Uh, and they're very responsive and we'll be happy to provide any information. Now, if you want to reach out to us, we can connect you to them as well. But boys, I want to thank you for joining us. It's always a pleasure chatting with you. Always love listening to your thoughts and, and feelings about where the club is and what's going on. But that wraps it up. Thank you very much for listening. Please continue to subscribe, like, and follow us. It's at the Premier Chels and all podcast providers. And on Instagram and Twitter, it's at the Premier Chels pod. And we will be back with a new episode, but until then, stay safe and up the Chels. The Premier Chels has partnered with Fubo TV. Fubo TV is your home for live sports and TV without a cable in the US and Canada. You can watch on all your devices, which means you don't have to miss any of the actions or goals that Chelsea score in the Premier League and Champions League. You heard that right. Fubo TV Network's broadcast Premier League, Champions League, and many other leagues and tournaments. So what are you waiting for? Start your free trial today at fubotv.com forward slash TPC.